Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's your girl Cy Brown. Thank you so much for checking me out. Today is our weekly Ecclesia Bible study. Just in the spirit of us trying to be the best us as we can be, we kind of pepper this show with a little bit of God, a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of politics, a little bit of self-help with Tony Robbins. It's definitely a good thing. Thank you so much for checking us out. Um, If you get a chance, follow me on Twitter, www.twitter.com forward slash life. Remixed, R-E-M-I-X-E-D. And don't forget, I offer affordable life coaching for $19 a month for small businesses. Um, and just log on to affordablelifecoaching.info. So thanks a lot. It's your girl, Cy Brown. Let's get right into today's Bible study, co-hosted by my buddy, Dewan Colion down in Atlanta. Love Talk Radio. Hey, what's up? This is the one Boyd, a.k.a. DJ Rabbit, representing Rabbit Productions, hanging out, chilling with my girl, Cy Buggy. That's right, Cy Brown, right here on LifeRemixedRadio.com. Say word. Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Cy Brown, hanging out with you. Today is Thursday, December 11th, and I am so happy to be with you. As you know, every single Thursday we have our weekly life study, and we are joined by Dewan Colion, who's calling in, chiming in from Atlanta, and I'm bringing you the show live from New York City. I am just so happy to be with everybody today, really, really excited. We have an absolutely great show planned for you. And let me read a quick text message that I received at 1039 this morning. Many of the Loyal Life Remixed Radio listeners know that um, Noval, who is actually Levon, who's my friend, um, she moved and she sent me a text message at 10.39 this morning and said, have a great show and day. Love you. Can you say hi to the Life Remixed family for me? Love you much, Miss Sai. So I'm reading the text message just to, um, you know, let everybody know that she's thinking about us, that she loves us, that she misses us, and that I promised to share that text message. (laughs) So I wanted to share the text message with everybody before we jump right into today's show. Um, I did share with everyone yesterday that this week has been an incredibly um, challenging week for me because... things got extremely overwhelming. And this happened to me once before to this magnitude, and that was some years ago. But I go in and out of um, stages of, I dare I say, depression, um, and it just kind of shows up out of nowhere, and this little ugly monster does rear its head and don't know quite where it comes from, not really trying to go on like any long-term medication and I spoke with my doctors, and I shared with shared with many of you yesterday that it really just speaks to people who are anointed, and not to make any excuses, but people whose mind thinks very, very quickly. And they gave me a series, this whole battery of tests and all of these things, you know, and I answered the questions very quickly, you know, just my thought process. And he said, you're like a genius. <laughs> And I said, I don't know about that. Um, And I just had some really good conversation with everybody on the show yesterday. Everybody was hitting me up on Twitter, giving me well wishes. I'm home. 
my husband took some time off from work under the great care of my family, and I think it was either True or The High Road said maybe we should postpone today's show or all of the heavy spiritual talk uh, because it does take a toll. And, and I shared with everyone that, you know, you join me for an hour. You join me from 12 to 1 every single day, but so much time and preparation goes into planning every single one of these shows. So I kind of wear the burden of doing the preparation, doing the study, reading the Bible, reading other spiritual books to to properly bring you a show every day. And sometimes I can't shake that off. So perhaps I'm I'm wearing the 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 concerns of everybody that listens to the show because I really want to make sure you all have a good show every day. So based on that, I decided to absolutely not change the nature of the show. I'm not changing it. I'm not changing the time. This is just something that I have to work through. But based on all of that, (laughs) I had a quick conversation with Dewan, and I said, hey, you know, as I do all the time, what are we going to talk about today? And, uh, you know, I kind of clued him in as to what's going on. And uh, here we are today, and I'm very, very excited to bring Dewan. And Dewan, are you with us? Yeah. <laughs> you made me laugh and smile. <laughs> What's going on? My check, my check, one, two. Um, <laughs> am I coming in clear? Yeah, you're coming in pretty clear. <laughs> All right. Uh, cut me down in the headphones a little bit. <laughs> you're so silly. What's happening down in the ATL? How's the weather down there? Um, We got a lot of rain. Um, jumping off this morning, I started seeing, you know, dogs and cats lining up by, by twos and sevens. <laughs> yeah, kind of serious. <laughs> it must be pretty bad. I only asked because I was watching the news this morning, and they were talking about like snow and rain and all this other stuff. So I was like, mm, well, let me when when D gets on the air, I'll ask him about that. <laughs> Yeah, so um, basically, you know, after we talked maybe what, you sent me a text about two hours ago, yeah. three hours ago, and I've been reflecting on what you wanted to talk about, spiritual wellness and and how that relates to our everyday lives. Yes. And I, I think it is a, a good transition from what we have been studying because it all um, correlates. You know, they're talking about now, if you go, I guess, to the front page of any AOL or CNN everywhere, they're talking about the number one killer is no longer going to be heart disease, but actually cancer. Is just, oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's such. And, you know, cancers, they don't have a cure for it, obviously, but in a lot of cases it's caused by stress, uh, a lot of internal uh Issues is not necessary. Doesn't always come from smoking cigarettes or staying out in the sun so long or something like that. So I look at our world that we live in, and you know, when I was growing up, it seemed like you know, when you was a little kid, it just seemed like the days would last forever. Mm-hmm. It'd be like you get up, go eat some cereal, catch some cartoons. And it's still not even 12 o'clock yet. You just got all day. 
you go outside, you play. Make sure you don't slap that screen door behind you when you're going in and out. And you still got the rest of the day. It just seemed like we had so much, quote, unquote, time. Yeah. Even even though we still have the same allotment of hours that we had back then, it just seemed like, you know, as we have progressed in the last 15, 20 years from a technology technological standpoint, we have more and more things that are um, accessible to us from iPhones and G-phones and Blackberries with no buttons on it, uh, mm-hmm. iPods, and, you know, you just can't watch TV anymore. You've got CNN Interactive and, you can watch what they're talking about, hit a button, and some other stuff jumps off. And it, I think it sounds good and it sounds exciting that we're inundated with all these innovations to allow us to multitask. But what I find is instead of us using the technology to accomplish what we set out to accomplish, all it does is draws us into doing more stuff. So well, I, just, I agree. <laughs> Instead of us just doing the things we were set out to do, three or four things, and, you know, we check them off, and then we go to Starbucks and we celebrate, hey, I accomplished everything I was supposed to do today. Now that we have such multitasking phones where you can talk and send email and talk and, and, and send a text to somebody else and then download documents, we are always doing something, trying to accomplish more. I find myself sitting at the dinner table. I'm supposed to be eating and having conversation with the family. I'm working on stuff. Mm-hmm. Phone goes off. So in the context of everything that's happened to you, um, I can relate because we in our mid-30s or whether you're in your 40s or even now the anxiety starts even younger because mm-hmm. society blows up people who have success early, whether it's Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana, anybody... The, the pressure of just being just mega big, young, and if you ain't done it by 25, oh, something wrong with you, you ain't done nothing. So it puts more stress and strain on us to try and accomplish more and more and more. But the reality is, still in the spiritual context, it still falls back to the original pattern that God wanted us to be able to do. I think it's very critical that he, you know, the, the commandment for us to rest is not just about not doing anything on a Saturday, but it's more about a pattern of, of lifestyle that even though we have all these technological capabilities to do everything we want to, when you don't have a schedule of rest, even scientifically it says your body rejuvenates itself and sanctifies itself and purifies itself between the hours of 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. in the morning. So if you not sleep during that time, your body doesn't have the time to fight off, rejuvenate, do what it needs to do so you can move into the next day. Mm-hmm. And so I think more and more people in their 30s are experiencing heart attacks and stress and all these different things because we, as the Bible says, you know, the eye, the human eye and greed and lust, we just, we're never satisfied. We want more. We want to do more. We want to accomplish more. And it and it throws our whole balance out. When I was kind of trying to spot study for this today's subject, when I looked up from the very beginning when God created Adam, Adam in Hebrew means I resemble. So 
the Hebrew scholars they believe that your body is a is a microcosm of the world. Every everything you can see in in the world is is present in the body. As Adam, I resemble recreating God's image. We we resemble all that. What I found was fascinating was that it said that you know we have 248 um, organs a part of our body. And the and then the Bible is made up of 613 commandments, good and bad things you're supposed to do. God says do this, and then you know it has other commandments, things you're not supposed to do. It's made up of 613 of those, and they and they break it down to where 248 of those command commands to do, they are reflective of the 248 organs that we have in our body, and then they say. Really? Yeah, and then they say there are 365 blood vessels in our body. So when you add 365 and 248 together, you get 613. Basically what I'm saying is that when God created Adam, which means I resemble or reflect, our bodies are reflective of God's pattern of creation. And, and 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 when we study ourselves and our body, it gives us a blueprint of how we're supposed to live and walk our daily day, I often think about the scripture where it says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care mm-hmm. of itself. doesn't mean we don't plan, but if any of you all like myself and you have kids, if you sit there and try to take on the stress and the strain and the, uh, the weight of next week or next month or what am I going to do when they go to college and all that sort mm-hmm. of type of stuff, you will physically break yourself down. And that's why the Bible said, he said, don't do that. Because we always have to get back to where he said he laid a pattern of six days you work, the seventh day you have rest. Because you're supposed to be able to walk with God. And in Hebrew tradition, to walk with God means to be obedient and, and, and walk in faith and learn from him on um, a day-to-day basis. Um, as we had talked last week, we continue talking about spiritual health and spiritual you know, wellness. Mm-hmm. We had talked about living well in the Bible, especially according to the Hebrew perspective of things. You know, life is in the blood. Once the mm-hmm. blood stops pumping and, and, you know, matriculating through your 365 blood vessels, you don't have life. And they believe that your soul is all tied into your to the to the blood. So, therefore, it was important for Christ, to come and die in such a manner so that it's stated in Hebrews that his blood sanctifies us and cleanses and replenishes us so that we can live um, day-to-day with him. And as we continued on last week, and it ties in today when we were talking about, you know, how do you hear from God? How do you know what the voice of God is? Yeah. It says in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This one was in the beginning with God, and all things through him did happen, and without him nothing happened. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. See, the critical thing is, you know, when we had discussed, you know, how do you know if you heard from God? Right. You know, if you're going through your day, how do you how do you piece this together? Well, the, the most important thing, the more that you study the Word, which is the Bible, 
which the Old Testament, the first five books is the Torah, and then you have a complete Bible. The more you know that word, that means the more you know him, and his sheep knows his, his voice. voice. So yeah. therefore, you won't be deceived if Uncle Uncle Buck comes back in a spirit form and tries to tell you something different or whatever, right. or you're trying to get direction. See, the, the whole thing is there's no there's no getting around the pattern of God, even from the beginning. Even though we have all this technology, like I explained, there's still no getting around the original lifestyle that God created back in the Bible where in Genesis, God, Adam walked with God. He listened to God. He studied. He, he learned. And, you know, then whatever he was supposed to do uh, throughout the rest of the day, he did that. Same way in, in when the children of Israel were in the desert and they had a tabernacle that they had to erect and they had a whole uh, ceremony and a process of how they had to approach God and be in his presence in order, you know, to hear from him, to walk with him. It's no different in the New Testament because in the New Testament, you know, in John two twenty one, he said the temple that he spoke of was his body. In 1 Corinthians six nineteen, know you not that the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, I mean, the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not of your own. In Deuteronomy 23:15, it says, God is constantly present in the midst of your camp. And then when you break it down in Hebrew, midst means in the heart. And camp, in this translation, means your body and your temple. And as we talked about last night and it, I mean, last week, and as we're expounding on this week, especially with a lot of things that you're going through, the, the frustration and depression, the anxiety attacks, and all these things that come come upon us is because a lot of times we get caught up in, you know, the day-to-day struggles and trying to take on our whole life in a day, whether we're mm-hmm. 36 and we're trying to say, okay, I'm 36 years old, I need to make all this happen, or I'm 40 years old, I need to make all this, this I need to, you're trying to, sometimes we try to live 10 years in a day. We try to accomplish everything we think we need to accomplish and set up for us so that by the time we turn 65, we can retire and all that type of stuff. And I'm not saying you don't plan, but at the same time, you got to first lay out a pattern, a lifestyle with God. As he said, once you become saved, he said you're kings and priests. So therefore, if you're a priest, you still have to have a lifestyle with God as a priest, as somebody that's no longer a priest of a physical building or a tent or a tabernacle. But now you're a priest as your own body because that's where the Holy Spirit resides. That's where Christ and God resides. So if we're so busy doing all these other things, worrying about how we're going to pay for bills and gas and all these other type of stuff, if we don't take care of our temple, it will fail us. It will break down. It will become ragged. I mean, even in the Bible, they had to... At a, at a certain time when they were no longer paying attention to God, they had to solicit monies and try to rebuild the temple because it had totally become run down and it be, uh, uh, became a place of defilement. And see, God doesn't dwell in places of defilement. So then when we get so inundated with the things of this, of this world, even though we're in the world, we're not supposed to be of it, we can cause the presence of God to, to leave our temple and then once he leaves our temple, then we, we leave ourselves open, as we talked about last week, mm-hmm. to not only spiritual attacks, but also physical physical attacks because we're not following 
um, a lifestyle of a priest. We we we're getting on track. Our pattern is just get up and just go 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 do do do. Don't even um, stop to you know look and see. Okay, what am I supposed to do first and foremost as a priest in my temple? What do I need to do to maintain that? To make sure I'm maintaining that proper lifestyle to get that peace and get that rest in Him, and then. Ultimately, as you do that and you continue to maintain that priest lifestyle, you study the Word, God's going to reveal through the Holy Spirit, lead you into all truth and give you guidance and direction of what you're supposed to do that particular. Everything will work out. I'll give you an example from my own situation, my own life. I was one of these people, like maybe about eight months ago, um, something like that, maybe about three or four months ago. Mm -hmm. I was leasing a house from somebody else. And, you know, I kept getting all these notices in the mail from all these different attorneys. I was like, wow. Mm. Yeah, they got a lot of legal issues. But then they kept coming, they kept coming, all that type of stuff. And um, I said, you know, I don't care. I'm going to open one of these joints. I don't care. I need to find out what's going on. So I opened it up, and I'm sure enough, the house that we was leasing, the people weren't paying for it, and it was under foreclosure. And... By the time I had talked to the leasing agent, they had, they had known about it. They didn't tell us about it. So basically, to make a long story short, by the time I opened it up and looked, you know, we were supposed to, you know, they were going to sell the house within a week. Whoa. So, yeah. So I'm sitting here. You like you see these stories on TV on type of stuff. Oh, my goodness. How does this happen? How do people get put out and all this other stuff? A lot of times, it's these type of circumstances. So... Um, the prior week before, I had, you know, a bunch of uh, different bills or different situations I had to pay for. My wife was like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to pay for this? And so I was like, first thing God said, you know, you deal with today. You handle the things of today. So whatever we do today, I pay today. I didn't worry about next week because, you know, the Bible says whatever, you know, you have the problems of the day that are enough for today. The other stuff take care of itself. Right. So. By the time we rolled around to the lady, um, was talking about, well, you know, y'all have to, you know, relocate somewhere else. You know, I would have been in a whole entire different legal situation if I'd have went ahead and paid them for the following month that I wouldn't have been in because I was right. all worried about it. So what happened was, you know, they thought, well, I guess y'all gonna have to come over here and do this stuff because these people are about to be foreclosed on. But I was like, okay. I know, you know, I've been following what God wants me to do. So long story short, you know, the, the next day I went out and looked. And a place that we were wanted to stay all along, you know, since we've been in Atlanta, we was able to move there, no problem, within less than a week. I think we did it that same weekend. Wow. No problem. Boom. And the people were just kind of astonished because they just knew they've had other people in the same situation, and it became a very tenuous situation. And I was like, you know, we kind of, I didn't feel, you know, I just try to trust God on the situation. He knew this was going to happen, and he provided me a step-by-step -step way to, to move on and move past it. If I would have spent all the time that I could have spent worrying and not going to sleep, and if I would have just panicked and paid these people this, then I would be trying to get their money back because, you know, obviously we're not staying there no more, and they didn't fulfill the obligations of the lease, all that type of stuff. All of that was alleviated because I just followed what God told me to do. Yeah, man, that's tough. 
I mean, it's not easy. It's easier said than done because it's, everybody has to be able to hear God for themselves. He talks to me like I'm talking to you on the phone. Right. He'd be like, he'd be like um, call these people over here because they're going to be there and there's a house for you to go get and just call them. I'd be like, okay, cool. I call them. They'd be like, hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah. Bam. That's how it is with me anyway. But that's how it's supposed to be to where if you're looking for guidance and direction for God, he will talk to you. He'll give it to you, but you can't be hesitant. You have to know and be right. have a clear understanding so that when he tells you to do something, you go react because there's always, a, as they say, a window of opportunity to go do something. It's just like an elevator. You see an elevator. You press the door. You want to go up to the penthouse suite. The door will open, but if you don't walk in within that three-second time frame, it will close and move on, and you would have missed it, yeah, whatever where you're going. And that's that's the same way it is with God. When he opens doors or tells you to move or do something, he'd be like, yo, all right, here we go. It's open. You want to go to the 12th floor? It is laid out. Do you have the faith to walk in it and go do it? And a lot of times we don't. And then it, it adds to uh, the stress of just the daily living because ultimately at the end of the day, it's not about all these things that we're accomplishing because at the end of the day, we all have to stand before God and the only things that we did for him is going to matter and the things that we did to, you know, take care of our family because the Bible says if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel. So you got to do the basics, taking care of your family, make sure they're provided for. Those are the things that matter the most. And I struggle with that myself as far as in this society, this Western society that we have, where it's all about accomplishment. What are you doing? Yeah. What, what billboards are you on? Uh, what are your numbers? How many people listen to your show? How many people are on your website? Uh, how much money are you making? What type of car are you drive? Uh, where are you living? What type of school are you all going to? All these things that can constantly be placed on your day to where you get up at 4 or 5 in the morning, and next thing you know it's 5 p.m., and you'd be like, man, where did the day go? That's me, and that's exactly what happened to me. That is exactly what happened to me. And it's funny because you said, you know, I'm in my late 30s, and I feel I'm supposed to be further along. And I'm like, why am I not there not understanding that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be? And I'm such a driven person. I mean, driven, 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 driven. I mean, I don't deviate. And just with that drive comes a lack of balance. And I mentioned this yesterday, a certain self-imposed isolation. I look up and I'm like, I, I, the last two Saturdays, I had nothing to do, nowhere to go, and no friends to call. I'm like, how did that happen? How did that happen? How did I get to that place? Didn't even realize it. And I think it's because I'm measuring what I'm supposed to be doing by these incredibly ridiculous benchmarks. Like, I should be here, 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 and instead of just being happy with where I'm at, taking it slow. I'm like, but you know what hap- where I think that comes from? I think our generation, we live in a very results-oriented society. Like, you have to produce. My husband and I got into a very big discussion about this auto bailout. And I and I was very resentful. I said, we shouldn't bail out Jack. 
And these people that are getting all this money, these union people, they should get rid of all unions, all these pensions, and all of this stuff. And he said, why? I said, because why am I going to continue to pay you if you don't even still work for the company? So he's saying, Saida, it's just, you know, like payment of loyalty because you put in so many years. I said, but you don't work there anymore. Why am I going to continue to expend money out of my budget as a thank you because you worked for me for for this company for 25 years? Now, mind you, I'm looking at this from a boss, you know, a, a, a boss perspective, like, you know, somebody who owns a business. And But that's because me and a lot of my peers, it's about results. It's about results. It's about results. What's happening right now? What did you produce right now? What are you doing right now? And that trickles into so many other areas of your life, and I think that's where uh, just my own issues, that's where a lot of my own issues come from. It's about results. I never had a problem um, taking freelance jobs. Like somebody says, listen, I need you to do something for me because I'm such a result-oriented person. I knew I was going to produce. And maybe because I've been self-employed for so long, I learned if you don't work, you don't eat. That's just the basic rule of self-employment. Like if you're not out there working, I'm not talking about owning a company. I'm talking about solo and entrepreneurs. If you don't work, you don't eat. So I don't have the luxury of chilling and hanging out because if I'm not working, I'm not producing, I'm not eating. And I don't know if it's the way my mind works or the way my generation works or the way my peers work. But a lot of people I know have that exact same mindset. So I don't know if it's, it's if we're measuring it by a standard, but I think it's or someone else's standard. I just think that's that's how it is. That's how I was raised. You have to produce. You know, the Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. And I and I kind of live by that. And maybe I take it to the head, but that's what I live by. But because of that, it leads to very 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 stressful conditions to the point where I'm up at 4 or 5 a.m. going to sleep at 11 o'clock at night, and then sometimes at the end of the day I'm like, I got nothing done. <laughs> I got absolutely nothing done, zero, ungaps, nothing. And I'm like, how did that happen? Because you try to be so productive that you end up being counterproductive to whatever you're supposed to be doing. And this whole multitasking thing the worst thing that probably could have happened is me with this PDA that I have. I can be on the phone and still send text messages. Is that bizarre or what? So not only could you be on the phone, a call could come in, you can put that call on hold, and you can still send and receive text messages and emails while you're on the phone. And that further perpetuates this got to get it done, got to get it done. I'm almost ready to toss my cell phone, and if you don't catch me in my office, oh, well. And it's that got to get it done. So... Sometimes I feel I'm not even the one perpetuating this. Society is. And like you said with Miley Cyrus, this girl's say 15 or however old she is. I don't know. She's a millionaire. And then I'm looking at myself like, what did I get done? Nothing. So I think it's not even so much my own mental, but it's all of the pressures that are coming in from the outside. A lot of outside stimuli as well. What do you think about that? Well, Two things to go back what you said about benchmarks. I think for myself, you got to create your own benchmarks for your own life. Like the Bible says, you got to work your own salvation out with fear and trembling. Everybody's life is different. Like my benchmark had to change from 
trying to do everything and get a lot of stuff accomplished too. Um, I need to be home by 6.30 so I can sit down at the table and eat with everybody. I mean, you have to change your lifestyle to be more about balance. If you look, mm-hmm. like I said at the beginning, um, Adam means I reflect. When you look at the, our blood system, our blood which holds our life, you know, the life is in the blood. When you look at this, um, let's look at our blood. When when somebody gets hit or there's a, uh, if, you, if I was to virtually reach across the airways and hit you in the shoulder or something like that, that would cause all the blood in that particular area to, you know, to colligate together and when or you have some type of injury in a certain area, when when all the blood comes together to try to combat that, what that actually does in that particular limb, it, the blood becomes congealed and traps there and it creates a certain harshness and over time that harshness of, of you just think, hey, you know, I hurt myself in this area. Mm-hmm. But blood rushes to that area and it builds up. And, the, and when the blood builds up in a particular area in the body, it causes the body to break down. It's not good for the health of the body because it causes harshness and, and it also affects us spiritually in the mind and soul. So what does that mean? How does that apply to what we're talking about? To me, I look at the same way your blood when you're in perfect health, your blood constantly flows at a at a good rate and a good flow. There's no you have no injuries or no cuts or no backups. Just like with traffic, as long as traffic is flowing right, it's good. But then if there's a situation, traffic gets backed up, then you have an issue. A lot of times, I think with our life, we over like with blood, we put too much information into our system. And we overload our systems in certain areas and cause backups to our physical system and our spiritual system by trying to do too much or accomplish too much in a particular area. And if you, like with your body, overload a particular area, it's going to affect the rest of your body. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you overloading yourself in one particular area, trying to accomplish one particular thing, it's inherently going to reflect back and affect the rest um of the areas in your life. It is. So the thing is, I know for me in the last year, the best addition has been subtraction. Mm-hmm. It's been getting rid of things, getting rid of things that are not necessarily whether it's physical, whether I look in my closet and I see, you know, I didn't wear this outfit all spring and all summer. I guess that means I don't need it. Give it away. Getting rid of negative people who attach negative spirits and vibes to you, adding to you drawing away from you, subtracting those things so that you can get back to a, a constant flow where your your work day flows, your spiritual day flows so that you can move. I mean, you look at any great athlete, they, they're great because they have a flow. They get up at a certain time. They eat certain foods. They work out for a certain time. They take a break. They rest. They go work out. They do it. They have constant and that's why it allows them to propel into something great. I mean, a great example is this. If you look at Tina Fey, you know, here she is doing her thing. She does a few movies. She's on Saturday Night Live. That's and a perfect nowhere, example. Oh, my God. Out of nowhere, Sarah yeah. Palin comes. She had nothing to do with that, nothing. Yeah. It just oh happened. Goodness. Opportunities presented itself, and she just went along her course of work in her life, and 
it blew up for her. That's the whole thing is a lot of times people think they get to where they get to because they, quote, unquote, work their butts off. And you always hear people, oh, I work my butt off, so I deserve this. Well, there are a lot of people. A lot of people work hard, but the difference is, and I've noticed whether it's Tina Fey or anybody, when you study their biography, they got offered an opportunity, a life-defining, life-changing yep. opportunity. And that's what separates you. So for me, it's about being focused on doing those couple of things God wants you to do. So then if it's in his will and it's ordained for you to get that opportunity, you'll be able to take advantage of it. You know, whether it's, you know, what's the guy's name? They won eight gold medals swimming in the pool. Phelps. Michael Phelps. All he did was swim. He didn't do good in school. He had attention deficit disorders. You know, he wasn't trying to be a lawyer. He wouldn't do anything. He just focused on swimming. He had a flow and a, and a, and a, and a lifestyle about swimming. And when the opportunity presented itself, he was, a, I mean, think about it. We could have been in a situation where we almost boycotted not going to Beijing and not going to China. Then he wouldn't have won eight gold medals. But it worked out through the divine process of time that he was able to go because back in 1980, we didn't have the Olympics. We boycotted. So I think it goes back to what I said earlier. You can't get so caught up in the future or tomorrow you got to work manage your day and get a, a flow and a system down to where you can be successful in your own benchmarks that you've gotten with god to do like for myself the benchmark is not trying to be diddy the benchmark right. is okay i have some gifts and some talents i need to utilize them so that i can acknowledge god in all my ways and those gifts and talents but at the same time I'm called to be a father, so that means I need to be able to spend time with my kids and do the things that they want to do. So I got to put that in my schedule. Otherwise, I, I'm I'm not doing that right. I'm a husband, so I got to make sure I, I I operate in that capacity and create those benchmarks to your you're satisfied with your own accomplishments. Because so many times we watch TV or heard the radio interview with somebody we think has it all, that's done it all, and we've met some of these people, and they're miserable. They've done everything and accomplished everything and bought everything and drove everything that they say you should do, you should have, and that ain't it. They look and say, wow, I wish I just would have had a couple of kids. I mean, so you gotta, you got to look at, you got to be able to pull back and, and do less is more and focus in on a couple of things and do a, uh, addition through subtraction and be focused in on what God has before you for this day. Because if you look at a story like Joseph, he had all these dreams and aspirations of things that he was supposed to do and accomplish, and he was in a jail cell. I mean, he's like, I don't know how I'm going to get to do any of these things that I'm ordained right. to do from this point. No right. different than Malcolm X. Malcolm X in a jail cell. Right. Yet and still... He utilized that time while he was there to, he took advantage of it, he maximized the moment. So when that opportunity presents itself, because I believe everybody gets opportunities, whether we take advantage of them is another situation. It's no different than the example I gave about the elevator. When the opportunity comes, when it opens up, you have to be prepared to take advantage of it. But if your health is bad, then you're not going to be able to do it because you're going to be sidetracked about your health. Or if this situation is off or that situation is off, You'll be so inundated and uh, out of capacity. So then, and the devil knows these things. He knows right. at a certain point you're going to get the breakthrough. You're going to get the opportunity. So therefore, just like your body, 
You try to have these injuries happen to you so that, you know, your blood will rush all over and and you all, you know, uh, incapacitated and you, you begin to break down physically and you begin to break down spiritually and then the opportunity comes and you can't step up to the plate and take advantage of it because people are always surprised when it when the opportunity comes. You don't yeah, know. Right. You have you have to be dedicated. I look I remember remembering the story about T Pain. And you know, T Pain's one of the biggest, you know, mainstream artists today, but he was in McDonalds literally filling out an application to go work at McDonalds when he got a call from Akon and now obviously the rest was history. But really? you never know when the opportunity comes and so you always you just have to be focused in on what you really want to get in life. I know for myself, because the bar seems to be, it changes constantly of what you're supposed to accomplish. Top 30, under 30, who's who under 40, and you're trying to make all these lists and accomplish these things and being worried about that instead of being focused in on your own track, your own pattern, and being happy about what it is that you do. Like, I didn't watch any football on Sunday. Any particular reason why? Well, because before the story is, I used to be so busy all the time for the last couple of years. I really, you know, I grew up on football. My dad, we used to watch it all the time. And then I got really busy, and I didn't watch it at all. I was always hoping one day that I would have the opportunity to sit up and watch football on Sundays because I felt like if I'm able to sit up and watch football on Sundays, then life must be good. I might have accomplished all my goals. But as I grew up and things changed and my benchmarks changed, now that I have the time to do it, that's not a goal anymore. It's not important. Right. It's not that important. <laughs> you know, I you know I may go to the park with the kids or do something else. Right. So, as you continue to pattern yourself as a lifestyle as a priest, and you're spending your time with God because He is the Word. So if you're gonna know Him, you got to know the Word and hearing from Him, and then getting yourself back into a pattern where you actually are asleep between the hours and 10 and 2, because you can cry to God, oh, God, I'm not feeling good, I need to be healed. But you're not resting, you're not even following the natural remedy to keep yourself in good health, then you're hurting yourself. And then, you know, obviously we talked about prayer and getting up early in the morning to be able to pray and, you know, cover different things and discuss certain things. It alleviates a lot of stress because it's no different. If I'm going to war with somebody... Mm-hmm. And I have to worry about the man next to me and the man behind me on the right that he's not going to shoot the enemy when we mm-hmm. come on. Then I'm not going to be focused on doing what I'm supposed to do. And that's how it is in life. Unfortunately, we'll have more faith in our coworkers doing their job or our teammates passing the ball to us or blocking the shot than we do with God. When we walk with God, we don't have faith that he's going to cover the things he's supposed to cover and have our back in certain areas. So, that's why it's such a sin to worry and get stressed out and break our bodies down because we're basically saying we don't think God is walking with us for a variety of reasons. And a lot of those times it could be because we've chosen not to walk with him, not because he's not walking with us. We've, we've chosen not to do that. And then we've done things to defile our own temple to where his presence is not even there to walk with us. Well, I I, I totally agree with that because I've always thought you know part of the conversation is that i had i can't expect god to get me out of the messes that i've created 
whatever the mess is, I, you know, say somebody's addicted to drugs or they overeat or whatever their their particular vice happens to be, I'm like, well, why is God going to jump in and get you out of your mess? Because we have free will and we got our own self into this mess. So I think just that mindset makes us rely more on our own effort than really putting our our our, our faith and, 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 and existence into God and into the creator. And I think that's where the mental illness can come in because I'm sitting here personally spinning my wheels. How can I fix this? How can I reshape that? How can I move that over to here to make it equal that instead of understanding? I don't control any of this stuff anyway. I I was told to read, I've never read this book, but I've heard Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer is a very good book. I I have no opinions of it either way, but I don't know if you all remember, a few months ago I had a really good guest on the show, and his name was Jose Viegas, and I participated in this event called the Master Your Mind Weekend, and I actually lectured that entire weekend, and Mr. Viegas was the um, the, the headliner um, of the weekend, and he talked about how to really master your mind. And again, that was the name of the concept, the the whole weekend, the Master Your Mind weekend. And just I was happy to be on the bill to hear him speak. And maybe I'll even upload or replay um, that show at a later time because he was given some good stuff. I never realized how powerful our mind was and how it impacts our mental and spiritual wellness. I just looked at it as, you know, it's your mind, it's your thoughts, and, you know, Whatever. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me read some stuff that's in the um, chat room. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, Everybody's path is different. You know what you feel happy about, what brings you joy. Dropping Seed said, oh, my Titans are 12 and 1. (laughs) Uh, I can't stop now. That's funny. Um, True says, you sound a lot better today, but don't push it. True, I am literally taking my life one day at a time. I mean, really one day at a time. I feel like I need to be going to some 12-step recovery program because I really am taking my life one moment. I'm I'm not even at one day at a time. I'm like I'm living moment to moment to moment. Um, not just trying to make it through, like clear my thoughts, okay, what's the next project because I do so much. Um, Dropping Seeds said that's a very good book, not that big on Joyce. Meyer anymore, but a very good book. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. I'm not, I, I can go with Joyce Meyer either way. I like her. You know, I like her message. I like her style. You know, for what it is, but uh, yeah, I've heard that that's a very good book. So, um, oh, and True said, wait, hold on. It did not happen overnight, so it will take time to recover. Yeah, but the thing is, the, the, the kooky thing is, is I didn't even realize there was a problem. I just felt I'm, I'm, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, just get up and you do it, you get up and you do it, you get, and then finally I'm like ready to crack and scream and yell, and I'm like, how did I get here? God, I tell you guys too much. <laughs> you guys are, I need to start paying you to listen because you guys are all my therapists. Dee, are you still there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just wanted to read some of the stuff that was in the chat room. And to acknowledge, we've had a couple of guests logging in and out. I'm so happy to see so many guests 
um, listening to Life Remixed Radio. It's, it's such a pleasure to have you all listening. So thank you very much. If you get a chance, just register so we can see who you are and properly acknowledge you. So thank you. Mama Smokey said there is not a problem. No, um, I, I don't feel there is a problem, and that's why they're like, well, we can start you on medication and stuff like that. I, nah. You know, I just think Cy needs to stop trying to be the consummate overachiever and, and solving everybody's problems and, and healing the world and, and all of that other stuff. So um, that's, that's what I think the challenge is. But based on me putting out that I wasn't on the air for two days and why, I got a flood of emails yesterday. Oh, my God, this Twitter thing is amazing. I had so many people twitting me with direct twits yesterday saying that we need to talk more about mental illness, especially in the black community because it's stigmatized. Mental illness, I had one woman um, reach out to me and said she was diagnosed as bipolar and she gave me all of the medications that she's taking. I had people ask me to secretly blog about it and then they would respond in the comment section. It's not just even mental illness. I think we are in an overworked and overwhelmed society, and I think we're being asked as people to do too much. I mean, life was so simple in the 50s. I know we had racism, and I'm not trying to take anything away from that, but when you really look at it, back then, and I told my grandmother this too, I said, you can't even begin to tell me about raising my kids. I said, you had daddy. Life was simple. You worked, Grandpa worked, everybody went to church on Sundays, Saturday you did your, your, your wash. But life now, we're expected to have the kids at the soccer game. Our jobs are so demanding that they want us to take our blackberries everywhere. Uh, we're, we're grocery shopping, but yet trying to, to, you know, send emails while we're online. I mean, it's crazy. And I think at some point we're going to end up with an entire nation of nutcases, and I say that loosely, because everybody is over, overworked, multitasked to the hilt. I mean, it, it, I just think it's too much, So, and I, and I want to be very careful about tossing around these diagnosis, diagnoses as bipolar, schizophrenia, because I don't think I'm nuts. I just think I'm overworked, and I'm exhausted, but not understanding how that, even in that, it can take a toll on you. And I think there's a direct correlation between mental wellness and spiritual wellness. Because if you're on the path to spiritual wellness, it's going to help you mentally anyway, don't you think, Dee? Yeah, I mean, I think what we have to do, we have to ask that one question, the scary, one of the scariest questions that we can ask God. What am I specifically supposed to be doing right now? Mm-hmm. Nobody want to ask that question because it may be something they don't want to do, or it's something they know they're supposed to do but doesn't want to do right now. So instead of asking that question and finding out and then actually 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 doing it, then um we inundate ourselves with activity and so many other things to to fill that void of accomplishment. Because the thing is you look at somebody like John the Baptist. He's hanging out in the desert with a loincloth on, eating locusts. But he was accomplished, regardless of what everybody was saying. You need to be doing, and you need to be doing this, and y'all need to be doing that. And John, why do you don't have no house? You out there in the desert. But he 
he accomplished what he was set out to do because he found out what that thing is that he was supposed to do. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to go find out how that is. But if we do that, God is not going to put on more than we can bear. And we would be in peace and rest in it and would be in a better mental state and in a better better physical state if we want to do that. Now, if we decide, you know, we don't want to do the thing that God wants us to call to do, then you're on your own. I mean, it is what it is. You you go do what you want to do, and you make it work. You, you know, try to figure out how to balance it out. Don't call God to help you do some stuff that he ain't called that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not going to work. And I think we have to make that determination whether we're going to do those couple of things that we're supposed to do that he wants us to do for that particular season or that moment, or are we going to be out here on our own? Because it, like I, like we stated at the beginning, our bodies are microcosms of the world. They're temples. They reflect how we're supposed to operate, how we're supposed to flow. Something, I mean, it's a whole other Bible study as far as the head and the brain and the mind. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a whole other thing. So I'm not going to really get too much into that other than to say, you know, you know, Hebrew scholars believe the mind is the equivalent symbolic, symbolic of the uh, the holy of holies. When you lay out, when you look at the temple of God, you got the, the holy place, the most holy place, and the holy of holies. That's why it's such a battleground area, a place where you try, and there's such an attack as far as with mental in, illness and things of that nature, because mm-hmm. that is, you know, a very important area. But to to close out on this particular point of just looking at ourselves and seeing how do we we create our benchmarks. If you look at ourselves, you look at something, you know, like I said, 248 organs. You look at something as mundane and as simple as, as people think is irrelevant as our rectum. But if you, if you take in and eat nourishment, things that you're supposed to do, you got to eat every day. And what you eat is important because it revitalizes your, your, your cells and your, and your body and your mind and brain to be able to function at its highest capacity and efficiency. But at the same time, you have to be able to release out the extra of what you ate, which was not used. If you don't, it becomes backed up and it causes all type of physical problems and spiritual problems that are, are related to that. So for me, I can look at that and learn that during the day, there are certain things we want to accomplish, but you have to have certain energy and certain fuel to be able to do that. But at the same time, whatever you don't get accomplished for that day, you got to be able to release that. you got to be able to let it go, let it pass through, let that extra stuff pass through, and then start fresh the next day. Otherwise, if you keep letting this stuff back up on you and pile up on you, no different than your phys- physicality, your physical self is by you allowing these different things to back up on you. It's going to cause a lot of different problems. Your workflow and the things you want to accomplish, if you allow them to back up on you, is going to cause you um, problems too at some point, whether you break down and have to go to the hospital or certain uh, you know, physical ailments uh, make themselves present. This is what happens. So you know, we have to look at our lives and, and scale back. Just like everybody's downsizing, mm-hmm. we have to downsize. I'm not saying downsize your expectations. But at the same time, you have to, you got to, like you, like you said, that's how, uh, you said you live from moment to moment. Well, that's how a journey of a thousand miles starts with a step. You got to manage the minute 
the hour, and then, then you accomplish what you accomplish in that hour until, you know, you work an eight, 12-hour day or what have you, and then you start over the next day. It's done moment by moment. Well, you I, just, learned, I learned also how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Yeah, you can't. You can't do it. If you like one of these people who sit on the corner and they waste their whole moment talking about, well, they didn't give me this and we didn't get that and they're keeping me from that and I ain't, I couldn't do this, well, you're wasting time complaining. You're still losing that, that time to be efficient and be effective. I mean, um, it's like the 80-20 rule. You know, a lot of what you need to do can be accomplished in that 80%. And sometimes we stress and worry out about the 20% that didn't get done or didn't happen or we, we haven't achieved this and all that type of stuff. We I just think we, especially our generation, need to, like, scale back, mm-hmm. scale out, and recreate different benchmarks. Don't create these benchmarks that they tell you on the media. Hello? D, did I lose you? Did I lose you? Oh, I...